everyone. Welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates from my graduating class of Wissahickon High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. Thanks to Bianca Mercer for last episode 222, available in the archives everywhere you get your podcasts. Also at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. Follow the Facebook and the Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. This week, my guest is John Diaz. John and I had chorus together. I've known him since middle school, kind of from afar. Senior year, we started hanging out a little bit, and we'll get into some of those confusing details uh, during our conversation. This is a great scenario of a classmate that I had known for many years throughout school, from middle school through graduation. But for some reason, we never really made that friendship. And if not for the very first episode with Mike Clyburn, I may not have thought about John right away. I tried to find him on Facebook, and it took a little bit of time, but I finally was able to get a hold of him, and we scheduled this podcast. So everyone, enjoy my conversation with John Diaz. Hey. What's up, dude? Hey, man. How you been? I've been good. How about you? Uh, Not too bad. Dude, it's been so long. It has been a long time. Sorry, I don't got any fancy uh, speakers or nothing, so it's just me and, the, me and the PC. Let me turn the fan real quick. No, you look good, dude. Setup's great. All right, cool. <clears throat> so, it's, uh, how you been, Brad? Good, man. Good. I feel like I haven't seen you at all since graduation. Uh, no, I think the only time I saw you uh, was your, your Facebook photo. <laughs> 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 that's it. What a what a jump. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's oh, crazy. Geez. So uh have you have you heard the podcast at all in any way? Have you like heard of it yeah. or oh that's awesome. Okay. So that's um so yeah, Clyburn was my first guest uh ever. I've been doing it for like two years now. Okay. Um yeah, and he it's funny because you know, everyone, when, when I was starting the podcast, I would like think of different things, different names. And the podcast is called, we weren't friends in high school, right? The idea, <laughs> the idea being that from like the purest definition of a friend, like someone that you actually like, you went to their house, you like hung out with them outside of school, right? You know, their you like, you know, their parents, things like that. Right. Um, and I felt like for me, I had such a very small group of like friends that fit that category, right? Like five people. Um, and then everyone else, I felt like I just didn't really know to the fullest. Some people like yourself, I knew much better than others, right? Um, but still at the same point, I would start running into people around the city here in Philadelphia and bump into these people from high school that I never have talked to in my life. And it's all the same. What's up, bro? How you been? Oh, it's crazy. We should, <laughs> we should link up sometime. And it's like, I've never, ever talked to you, even in high school. I don't know you. Like we. Yeah, it, we, I, I know exactly what you're saying, because I've seen multiple people from school, you know, out and about. And I'm just like, I wasn't friends with you in school. I, I don't have any compulsion to really talk to you outside of school because, you know, uh, it, it's weird. It, it's, it's a strange uh, f- phenomenon. So it was happening so much to me that I just had like a really, really strong desire to try and change that or at least like change the what what the actual meetup was of these people that I was seeing for the first time in 20 years with zero context. I was like, you know, what? instead of just doing this random meetup, let's do a podcast and talk about high school from your perspective. You know, I have visions of myself and memories of myself uh, in high school. And I was always interested in did that square up with what other people thought? 
what were other people's own run when they were in high school? Because I feel like people go through things that we never know about. Um, and as I've discovered over the last two years, you know, all types of ranges of, of experiences that people have had from good to bad to exciting to, you know, um, painful to whatever. But like everyone's got their own story that really we've never as a whole known to add full context to these memories that we have of each other. Uh, it's, it's so true. Uh, you know, we, we saw each other in, you know, random classes, but mainly uh, course class. Right. Um, but outside of that, you know, you and I never really hung out. I mean, it, you know, we'd see each other in the hallway and we'd be like, yeah, yeah, what's up, man? But, uh, you know, like me and Clyburn, we, you know, we actually hung out. Uh, you know, we we spent lunch times together. We, we hung out outside of school, you know, and, and plus I, I think I, I grew up with Michael in out of elementary school. I, I knew him since Bluebell elementary. So, you know, yeah, I, I hear you, man. Uh, and he mentioned, you know, when he was talking about, you know, just his, his life and post school and his wedding and stuff like that, like you being involved in his life still at that time. And I was like, Oh my God, that was one of those flashes because of, I think of all the people that I thought about of like, Oh, you know, like I, all the people that I've kind of, kind of knew like Mike, uh, like some others, people who I never knew at all. I didn't have any idea who they were. It's like, Oh, I'll talk to this person, this person. And I wonder what this person's story, no offense, but you were one of the, the first people, one of the people that kind of like forgot about even though you were there the <laughs> entire time. And I think even as I think back senior year, we did start hanging out a little bit. So when he said, John, yeah, when he said John Diaz, I went, oh, my God, John, John was awesome. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because uh, I, I tried to make myself a um, not a gray man in school, but I, I, I wanted to fit in just nowhere. <laughs> I didn't I didn't really want to click so I, I kind of got along with everybody and that worked for me and against me in a lot of in a lot of ways you know I didn't make myself so known that I was a, a household name so to speak right um, I just kind of fit in the background and that's kind of how I liked it was there anything specific that you would see about with clicks that you were trying to avoid specifically that made you go that's not how I want to proceed Wait. Well, yeah, I, I just, I didn't want people to gossip about me. It, like when, when my name came up, it would be like, oh yeah, John's cool. You know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else. Um, I just, I wasn't interested in being in the limelight. Um, just being at the center of attention. Really, chorus was the only area that I wanted. I just wanted to be fully myself. Yeah. Uh, just because I love singing so much. And it was just, it was me. It was all me. Um you know, everywhere else, I just, like I said, I, I fit in wherever, wherever there was a shadow. I just kind of like, I was there. Mm -hmm. When did you, when did you come into Wizard Hicken? Because I remember you from middle school, uh, probably seventh grade is when I remember you yeah. uh, the first time. Um, I, I, I started off at Bluebell Elementary. Um, so Bluebell Elementary, uh, yeah, that was my first one. Um, I think it was second grade you know second grade at blue elementary okay um, so yeah where did you and come from prior, that, prior to was, for kindergarten and first grade where were you coming from i went to uh, a school called pca christian uh penn christian academy in norristown oh, okay um, and i went there for two years i went there for 
I think it was kindergarten and first grade, but then I ended up taking first grade twice because I was homeschooled as well. And it was, I was behind and whatever. So I entered Bluebell at second grade. Okay. That's when I got into the, the mainstream public school. Who were, uh, were there anyone from Wizzahickon? One of the things about Wizzahickon that I always found, I don't know if this is unique to other places, but being that we're such a small school, but we have so many elementary schools, there's people that you can grow up with, you know, that you've known since second grade, for instance, for you, were there people from second grade that you were hanging out with? The two people that I, well, there's, oh boy, the two main, three main people that I remember from elementary school were Pat Emery, um, uh, Clyburn, Michael Clyburn, and um, the, the name escapes me. I'm, 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 I'm about to hit 40 next year, so my brain's already <laughs> starting to slow down. Uh, so give me a second. It'll pop up as soon as I stop thinking about it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, golly, for the life of me. Anyways, Michael Clyburn is number one. Yeah. Because uh, we, we just we hung out. You know, we we hung out, we grew up together. So he was probably my best friend since elementary. Wow. What kind of stuff were you were you doing as a kid at that age? Oh my word. Riding my bike was my life. Um, I was always outside riding my bike everywhere. I mean, I would not in obvious elementary school, but um I was riding my bike to the parks and everything, just being outside. I just yeah. my I grew up in a childhood where I came home from school. My mom kicked me outside. You know, there was my, my video game career was such, you know, I had Sega Genesis. So, uh, you know, you try to start a game in Sega Genesis and you can't finish the game because you can't save, you know, it's either all or nothing. Right. right, but right. After, after 15, 20 minutes of playing games, my mom's like, get out go outside and play. So I was like, all right, well, there's that. And um, man, I, I could, I had a crazy imagination and I could just, I could grab sticks off the ground and start making a fourth of my GI Joes and zip lines across the trees. And Oh man, it was just, I had so much fun as a kid outside. Kid. So much fun. It was yeah. fun. I had the, uh, I had the Sega. I did Nintendo and Sega and then I stopped, I stopped there. Um, and I think I like to think I had somewhat of a healthy balance, but I think definitely as I got like into my like preteens, I think I, I, I went all the way on inside activities, television, video games, oh yeah, computer, as that started becoming a thing in middle school, more so than outside. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, once I hit my, you know, once a PlayStation came out, um, the first PlayStation I was, that was the, the first big system I had. Well, I had, I had Xbox too, but yeah, it wasn't until my teens that I really started gaming. And, um, and even then though, I, I've always had a, um, a kind of healthy respect for my time. I, I can easily jump in a game and I can, I can play all night and I, I, can, yeah. I can pull all night or even today, I, you know, if I'm not careful, I'll pull an all nighter. So I have a, a real healthy respect for my, uh, <laughs> my ability to jump in a game and get lost in it. So I, I try not to. I try to moderate my time. Yeah, it's interesting. Both Jeff Pan and Brian Cho talked about their what they thought was an unhealthy addiction to video games, kind of in that high school era that they thought oh, they yeah. they got so deep into. 
Um, on the other side of it, they got way more into the tech space of how do things work? What makes these video games work? What, what moves these machines? Yeah. How do I build these? How do I create stuff? And, and got into like the programming and creation world. Um, do you think you pulled anything out of that? I mean, gaming now, that's the funny thing, right? Gaming now is like an actual, can be a job and can be a revenue and, source. And, and I think that's pretty sick, <laughs> sick as in disgusting how people can make money <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> sitting in front of a computer all day. I, I think, I just think there's something wrong with that picture. Um, yeah. So you you looked at it purely recreational. You didn't look at it absolutely. as like, absolutely. For what me, makes me it tick. was, it was a, it was just a way to escape, a way to chill out and just relax. Um, you know, I've always loved the storyline. I love RPGs where, you know, you have the character development and, and you have, um, you know, the progression in the game where there's a good solid storyline. Like today's games, I, I got a big qualm with today's games, like Minecraft and like just games that never end. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to, I want a beginning and I want an middle and I want an end of the story. I don't, and I want to be able to finish the game and say, cool. I spent 80 hours on this game. I finished it. Next game. But today's games, there's no end to them. Right. It's world building, right? It's just world building. It's just Legos in in a digital, (laughs) you know, in a digital way. And it just, I don't know, man, it it drives me crazy because I feel like there's no end to it and there's no conclusion. And And I like a conclusion. I think that's where I fell way out of like the, the fantastical uh, video games. And, and the only time I really, after I was done with Sega, the only time I played a lot of video games was more like sports, uh, basketball and wrestling video games. Um, and it was because I wasn't good enough to get to the end of like those games. Like after, <laughs> after Mario brothers, that was it. I couldn't get, you know what I mean? I, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, see back at least back with Sega Genesis, there was all the cheat codes that you could have 99 lives or whatever it is. Um, and the game the- genie. And the game genie and stuff like that, but you know, it it made you a better gamer. Yeah. Um, that's one of the I think one of the challenges with today's games is there's so many save points in them that you can stop the game and then you can pick up. You can stop, but back then with Nintendo and Sega Genesis, you had to be a good gamer. Yeah, and it's one sitting. It's like if you don't have 12 hours, 14 hours, you're not getting through Mario or Sonic or or Double Dragon. Unless you leave the console on and then somebody knocks it and hits the power cord on the back and it shuts off on you. And yeah, that's why kids need We need our own television so we could just like leave the game on and just turn off the TV and then we just come back and like, all right, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and my parents weren't having that. Yeah. <laughs> Electricity bill's really high right now. Uh, man, I, you know, I, I, I'll tell you this. In my bedroom growing up, um, I was right next to the attic stairs. And my, I, in my closet, I, there was a cubby hole that went underneath of the closet steps. And I made a secret gaming room with a crazy small little stupid tv black and white television and my sega genesis and i used to play game in there at nighttime trying to beat my games until one day my parents opened the closet door or the 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 attic door to go upstairs and they see in the in the cracks of the steps they see a light on (laughs) 
And then I got discovered and they, they made me take it all out. Yeah. What, the, what are you doing in here, man? <laughs> it was, dude, it was, that was my, my little, my, my man cave. That's great. The layer. My first man cave is awesome. Um, when we went to middle school, one of the things that I, I always kind of think of with middle school with, at least with like my issues with middle school and getting along with people was the pod system. The fact that you, you know, you have to kind of be in a pod with friends or else you're starting over with making friends because you never see those uh, anyone else from any other pod the whole day. Yeah. Um, I, I liked it because at least you, you made your friends and you stuck with them, mm. but you, I agree that you didn't get to make new friends, you know, for the size of our school, we should have known everybody better. Um, we all, we weren't a big school. We weren't a crazy big school. What no. was it? A hundred kids, 90 something. Oh, I forget how many kids were in our class. Uh, in our graduating class, like 300, yeah. a little over oh, okay. 300, but okay, compared, like 300. compared to North Penn, which is thousand. Yeah, exactly. We're still, we were still considered small. Um, I think the concept worked for building strong to medium friendships over our, over the you know the few years that we were in school but it did limit making more friends you know um, yeah and when and when you switch and when you go to the new to the next year you have to start over again with a brand new pod and possibly all new friends that was the hardest part for me you know believe it or not i didn't even that wasn't a factor for me. Really? Uh, I think because I had my core of friends already and we were already kind of strong. Like my core friends was Ellen Oplinger, Jenny McLaughlin, Michael Clyburn, Charles Bell Sterling, you know, like pretty much people that were in band or chorus, yeah. you know, you always had that, that group of, of students. So you you kind of transcended the whole the pods the pod system because you could always find them in in the chorus room or the band room yeah um so i, I and being that i also didn't really fit into a click it it didn't it didn't really phase me that much yeah and i think for chorus that was where you know none of my like out school outside of school friends did chorus or or any type of musical or arts and things and i was you know especially middle school and high school chorus uh musicals drama club um and there were always people that i would look for in the music program you would be one of them uh aaron coop aaron cooper another oh, aaron oh that's right aaron yeah and and you guys would always be involved in kind of the music program that would be like okay i can i can hang out over here i can sit over here you know yeah you know what and that that was one of the things i loved most about the course is as you know as long as you were interested in being there you were included it, it was an all-inclusive group if you didn't want to be there then scram get out you know we don't we don't really care if you don't want to be here the people that wanted to be there were accepted as they were rather you know whether they were you know, like Vern Cheatham, remember Vern? Right, Vern. You know, like he, he, you know, it's like, I don't know, man. It, it was just a special group, a special environment in school was just the in course. I was literally thinking the other day about the, the audition process with chorus where you're like literally in front of your whole class and you oh, have yeah. to sing a solo of like scale. And I don't think today 
you would ever get me to stand in front of 30 other peers <laughs> and sing, you know, follow, uh, you know, do Ray, do Ray me. <laughs> you know, it's funny because that's the only environment where I am completely open. Uh, you know, speaking, public speaking, being in front of a group, um, I generally don't like being the center of attention in any area until you get me to sing. Like when I'm singing, I love, I just, I just let go. I'm a, I, it's the only time I'm a completely free spirit. Um, where, did, where did that come from? Was your family big music? Did you grow up like with music in your family? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, we're all pretty much. We, we, my father grew up, uh, you know, he's always been a singer. My sisters are singers. Um, it's just in my blood, I guess, you know, where we all have different gifts and talents that we're, that we were born with. And, um, for me, it's just, I love public speaking. I love being in front of a, I don't know, just, there's something weird about it. Cause it's an anti, it's, it's an anti thing. Cause I don't like being in the spotlight, but at the same time, once I'm in the spotlight, I just go. Yeah. I just, I just go for it. So, um, you know, for me, I was, I was on like a path. I thought of like child star or actor or <laughs> performer or whatever, but like, you know, I was, I had like a, a, an acting, I took like acting lessons and modeling classes and all that when I was much younger. And then when I got to middle school and I was doing like plays and all that, but I also like outside of school had a manager and I would go on like auditions for, for parts. I never got anything big, but that was like what I thought I was gearing up for. So I would do the musicals and I was often the only guy save for, you know, maybe one or two here or there, um, which would always make the musicals difficult because we'd have girls playing the guy parts. Oh yeah, exactly. I hear you. Eighth grade. Mike, yeah. Eighth grade Clyburn joined and we did dream girls, but I don't think you ever did musicals. You know, I, I didn't. Um, I had, all right, so, all right. Uh, oh, this is like a thing. This is a thing. It, it, oh, it was a huge thing for me. Okay. It was a huge thing. So, I had an experience. Um, I hated organized groups in school. Like, um, like organized sports. Yeah. I hated it. Because there was there was so much politics, and I felt like only the rich kids got the parts, and I just had this thing. Whether it was true or not, this was my thing in school. Okay, I felt like I I was uh, I was always a runt. I didn't hit my growth spurt till ninth and tenth between ninth and tenth grade, so mm -hmm. I was always puny as all heck. Um, but I had this thing about me where I hated organized sports. I hated I hated anything that was. Um, where you knew the teacher or leader had a favorite, had their favorites. And I just, I hated competing for a part. You know, I, it, it, the whole process seemed just unfair to me. Mm. And I just, I didn't want anything to do with it. So when it came to trying out for sports, I tried out for a couple sports. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out for me. So I was like, all right, whatever. And then when it came to the music program, remember Miss Reckner? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we talked about her a few times here on this. On this so podcast. she always had her favorites. Yeah, she always had her favorites, and those people are the only people that got the parts, the good parts. Yeah. You know, anybody could be in the background, but you know, I had a problem with that. You know, and then I just I was uh, I was anti politics, and I to this day I hate politics. Like if somebody's exceptionally, somebody's just good at what they do, acknowledge it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I have a, a strong um, I have a strong tendency to to push for what's ethically, morally right. It's just something that's built into me. I, sure. You know, I don't like to see injustice. So, you know, when I got, when I saw my friends trying out for these parts that were like, awesome, they just fit the parts awesome. And then Miss mm-hmm. Reckner or whoever gave the part to their favorite, well, I, I, it turned me off. Yeah. So I decided I didn't want to be part of that, the, the politics involved with it. Um, you know, it's funny because you saying that I was definitely the favorite in eighth in middle school. I was like for Mrs. Watson Bay, who would do the musicals in middle school. I was the favorite uh, there. So I was always like a shoe in for the lead. But I don't. And so I don't think I even knew about that philosophy, nope. um, except, you know, in chorus, when we would do like solos, I would always be way too afraid to try out for the <laughs> solos. Right. Um, cause you'd have to do it right there. And, you know, and, and I feel like the popular kids maybe raise their hands and I'm like, well, I'm not going to compete against, like I compete against Mike Mickles for the solo, you know, let, right. he's going to get it. And, and it, it, when I got to high school, I, I, I wasn't really aware of like that because I had been in a place of not being the favorite of getting something I wanted. And that didn't happen to me, to me until senior year where I really wanted some, I really wanted a part, didn't get it. And that caused me to actually drop out. Gotcha. So you, so you, you did feel it. Um, but it took until senior year. I always thought I was one of the favorites until I, until I lost out to probably a real, to her real favorite. Right. <laughs> I was good for the background. You know, I, at that point I was like, <laughs> Oh, I'm good for the background to sing loud. Like that's what they're going to use me for. And I, you know, at that point, I didn't want to use my senior year to do that. So I, I quit right before rehearsal started. So I, and, you know, at, at times I kind of, I don't know if I regret it, but I wish I would have been a little bit, I wish I would have given, given, at least given it a chance. Um, but I didn't. And so I got to, you know, I moved on. Did you, uh, did you have any subjects or classes, teachers outside of chorus that you particularly liked or you felt like you were good at? Um, chorus was definitely my favorite. <laughs> um, honestly, a lot of it's a blur. Um, I... I <clears throat> A lot of the other classes were a blur because I focused so much on the course. That was the highlight of my school year. Wow! Every year, uh, it was it was lunchtime playing hacky sack and you know and and the Mark core group of friends. But every other subject, I vague memories, man. Where are you learning to play hacky sack? I remember when hacky sack came about. 
And I was like, where, where are all these kids learning to play this? None of my friends did it. And all my friends were white. So I would have thought that they would have, like, <laughs> someone would have clued no, me in, but no one. You, you know, I, I think I, I picked one up in a mall or somewhere. I forget where I got my first hacky sack, but I picked one up because I was like, sweet. Well, I don't know what this thing is, but I was like, what do you do with it? And then I just started kicking it around and I was like, oh, that's what it's for. And then I realized, oh, crap, I'm actually all right at this. And then that's what we did every lunch period and after school. And, and it was just just fun. Yeah. Did you do it in that little courtyard in between the yeah. out right outside the cafeteria? Yeah. Uh, outside the cafeteria, we used to do it. And then out right outside the band room. Oh, yeah. Right around the, the little uh, by the parking lot there. Yep. Yep. So those are the two areas that we used to that we played. But yeah, absolutely. Right in the, the, the courtyard in the cafeteria. That was the spot to, to go all the time. It was awesome. Um, what did you what did you want to be like when you were a kid? What did you want to be when you grew up like pie in the sky? You know, I wanted to be an astronaut. What did you believe it or not? I started off wanting to be a police officer. And um, my uncle is a, was a police officer. He's retired now. Um, and he was kind of my inspiration. Actually, two of my uncles were officers. And so that's what I wanted to be. But I quickly grew out of that. And believe it or not, I just wanted to be a dad. Really? Yeah, I just, I just wanted to have a family of my own. That's really all I wanted to aspire to. Um, my, my ambitions were sober. You know, I, I've never really wanted to be anything great. Again, kind of that stay out of the limelight type of deal. Um, I never wanted to be famous. I, I never wanted to be an astronaut or anything. I just just wanted to have a family, be a dad. You don't hear a lot of men talk about that as like uh, as aspirations for family, especially being like young in the time that we're talking about high school. That's something that I think like, you know, I, when I asked Kim Clauder about, you know, what she and she was very she was very into like at a very young age, wanted to be a mother, wanted to be I wanted to have a family. Um, where does that well, where does that come for you, that that inspiration at such a young age? Well, um Probably, I mean, I, both of my parents are still together. They're still alive. So uh, obviously my, being that my parents uh, had a very good relationship with each other, that sub- absolutely supports my my affinity for, for a marriage relationship. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's something that was ingrained in me from an early age. I just wanted to have people that I love that depend on me, that I depend on, you know, have a, have a core group of people that just loves me. Yeah. You know, I, we all just want to be loved. You know, at the end of the day, we just want to be loved. We want to yeah. be accepted for who we are, but I've I noticed a lot growing up how when a family breaks apart, you know, a broken homes. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends came from broken homes. A lot of my friends um, didn't have what I had as a you know, a mom and dad that that loved each other, you know, siblings I had, you know, I'm the youngest of four. And 
I don't know. I just wanted to continue the legacy. If that, you know, if that makes sense, if that's yeah. valid. Uh, um, you know, it, believe it or not, that actually shaped a lot of my school relationships as well, because I didn't date. Um, you know, in school, it was a it was a, a cycle. You know, our, our female friends would have their boyfriends and then they'd break up with their boyfriends and then one of the other friends would get the boyfriend. And it's just, it was a vicious cycle that disgusted me as, a, as, a, as an adolescent, as a teenager. Interesting. I, I didn't want, I didn't want to be uh, the dregs of somebody else's broken relationship. So it, it kind of forged me into kind of a protector, like over Jenny and Ellen. Mm-hmm. I I considered them more of like a, a, a sister or a cousin than you know a, a female that I could date. Um, I was very protective over them, you know. And every time they had relationships with the, you know one of their boyfriends or whatever, I oftentimes I would get really defensive over them, you know, and yeah. I, would, I would want to protect them rather than want to date them, you know, and and. I don't know. I just, I didn't want to be a statistic. I want to, or I didn't want to be a negative statistic for, you know, a broken date or, you know. Yeah. Um, I think, in I don't know. I think as like, as now I look back and, and I didn't date either. Right. Um, and I think, I think as I look back and I think that's maybe, I maybe take that as a harsh uh, perspective because kids date. Right. And I think the thing, but I also had a, a similar take in that. And especially what you mentioned before about not wanting to have people talk about you. Um, I always had this and it, it, it for like years and years, I can remember being at the shore and like being afraid that like different shore, like when I would work at the, sh- at the, at the beach at Wawa at the shore, like different stores would know about if I was talking to this girl or that girl, like, because all the stores were very connected and a lot of people knew each other and like, Oh, I don't want them. I don't want them all knowing that I was talking to this girl at this Wawa or, you know, and, and that, that stemmed from, from was in, in that it was so called incestuous and that friends dated friends in the same group. Yeah. And it would happen all year long for, you know, the seven years that we're in from say middle school. Um, and I don't know that that's irregular, you know, looking back. Um, but I do think that there is something to like wanting to be able to keep um, something for yourself. Leslie Weber talked about that kind of like, you know, hearing other people that would have whispers about them and, and not wanting that out there about her. And so who she dated and where they were from, whether like the school that they were from was very specific because she didn't want people necessarily to know everything that she was doing. Right. Um, do, yeah, you think, I, yeah. do you think that like that, I mean, do you think that that stems, do you think that's what kind of stems from that protection of just like everyone knows what you're, when you, when you well, break up, when you get back, when you get with someone else, you know, the history of who they were with before that, was it that more so? Um. It, it was really everything. I, I didn't want to be, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I never like people talking about me in a negative way. It's, it's, you know, I grew up in a scenario where, you know, I come from a Christian home. I'm born again Christian. I, uh, you know, I was brought up in a way that 
your reputation is a big part of who you are. And, you know, you can easily screw up your reputation, but trying to get that reputation back will take a really, really long time. It's easier to break reputation than it is to make. So, you know, you got to be careful. You you know, you got to be careful what you do. You got to be careful what you say. You got to be careful, you know, how you come across. You just got to be careful because, you know, all, and I, my own opinion on it is the only couple, the only things you really have in this world is, you know, what, what you do and what you say, that, that makes you who you are. You know, the, your lifestyle, my lifestyle, other people see that they, they can see if I'm real or not. They can see, you know, I'm transparent, you know, no matter how much I try to hide behind whatever facade I want, I'm transparent and people see right through it. So I try to be real in everything I do. And I think that started off at, at an early age. Um, it's, and again, it's, it kind of takes on that whole wanting to be in the background, not so much in the background, but not in the limelight is people, you know, you, you see it every day. Famous people, what happens, man? You, you, they, there's no secrets. Everybody knows their lives. There's no such thing as privacy. And I like my privacy. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I like to be able to have my privacy and I don't want everybody knowing my business. Uh, and again, that does come from my parents. You know, I, nobody outside of our home needs to know what happens in our home. Right. You know, it, it's that it's an old school mentality, you know, keep your business to yourself. Right. Type of, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, that was definitely um, definitely kind of like a feeling of me of not wanting people to talk about me. And the only thing that I was willing to have people like know about me was like that I couldn't be messed with. You know what I mean? Like I'll fight you if you absolutely if you, you know what I mean. Like that was like my thing was that like I you know if you if you get loud with me I'm gonna get loud back. If you get in my face I'm gonna get back. I'm gonna get in your face. If you swing on me I'm gonna swing on you. Uh, but outside of that, it was just like, don't talk. I don't want anyone to know anything about, you know, if, if I was talking to a girl and someone outside of school is like, oh, you talking to that girl? I'd be like, no, no. <laughs> like, I just didn't want, I had such a fear. But at the same time, you know, it's something I talk about a lot on this show is like, besides the fear, though, I had a want to be in those kind of scenarios, those worlds, those, you know, I think I wanted to be you know, on the roulette wheel of dating pretty girls from school and, and going well, to parties. And, you know, there, there's a certain amount of, you know, you want to belong, you know, you want to build, yeah. you, you want to be part of the group, you know, you don't want to be an outsider. You don't want to be, you know, the last man standing odd man out. Everybody wants to be included, you know? And I think that was, that's one of the tricky things that, I had to learn how to deal with it in school was knowing how far to fit in, you know, how, how much do I change who I am to fit in with said group? You know, how much of myself do I allow people to change? Cause that, that came up a few times, you know, again, coming from a Christian home, and my parents were were conservative, very, very conservative. So, you know, something as simple as how what kind of songs we sang in, in chorus class. You know, we, we had to sing songs from Rent, you know. Right. So 
you know, at what point do I, you know, how do I take that? You know, I, we didn't really have to deal with the whole LGB, you know, discussion back then. You know, there's a couple guys, a couple people back then, but it wasn't mainstream like today. Right. You know, so when we came up with scenarios with, you know, like that, I had to kind of figure out how, where did I stand with it and how, you know, how conservative do I want to be and, and how much do I, I don't know, it just, I had to make decisions because my, you know, my faith in Christ is a large part of who I am. So the people that I dealt with, the people that I hung out with, my friends, how far did I let them change me? You know, or, or how, how far did I let myself become adaptable to different scenarios? Um, it, it was tricky because you want to fit in. You know, you, you want to belong. You want to have your friends accept you. Um, uh, so it was tricky, real tricky. That's a really tough limbo act to, to have to pull off as a teenager, you know, to, to kind of have these... Um, to have you know your beliefs that you've grown up with that you you know you were raised with um and to be 16 and have to uh, i don't know that anyone's truly you know 100 convicted in their beliefs at 16 um not to say that not to say that you didn't that you didn't that you weren't passionate about what you felt but you know i think with everything in life you know, we, we look at something and then maybe we take the, the foot off the pedal a little bit here or there and we go, Oh boy, seven years ago, what was I, I was, I, I didn't have it all figured out yet. Um, oh, absolutely, Brad. Uh, you know, when, when I was early on, you know, especially, you know, in my teens, I didn't grow up listening to to any rock music. You know, it was all it was all Christian music, either contemporary Christian music or Christian rock or whatever. So I never heard Nirvana. You know, I, you know when everybody is talking about Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana and Green Day, I didn't know who they were. Mm. You know, I I I had no idea who these bands were in, in school. So it created a little bit of a gap you know, trying to join conversations. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, you know, I, I'd say probably in my, uh, in my later teens, probably, you know, 17, 18, I started experimenting. I wanted to know some of these groups. So absolutely. I went through quite a few years where that's all I listened to was, you know, three days, grace, Lincoln park, you know, Nirvana, you know, incubus like that i i just yeah. i dove full in because i didn't know what they were and i wanted to i wanted to find out and make my own decisions um what did you find when you dove i in? found that well again it's a growth experience you know you can it, it, you know as again as a believer we my faith says, or in the, in the Bible, it says that we, we live in this world, but we are not of it. So we, we're in the world, so I have to live here. You know, I, I'm part of this world, but at the same time, um, in the Christian faith, we also are looking forward to eternity in heaven. You know, we're, we're looking for, you know, someday when the Lord comes back, we're going to heaven. But 
in interim, we have to learn, we have to figure out how to uh, navigate in a world that largely doesn't believe in, believe what I believe. You know, I, Christianity is, it's tolerated at best in, in most scenarios. And as a teenager, uh, being surrounded by a, a, you know, a secular public school, it, it either, it does one of two things. It's either going to strengthen my faith in Christ or it's going to push me further away. And I'm going to, I'm either going to uh, cling more on, cling on tighter to my faith or it's, I'm going to let it push me away. And there was a few years where I, I was, I was on rocky ground. I, 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 I was trying to find my place and you know, I, uh, overall, I, I think it made me a stronger Christian. You know, it yeah. made me stronger in my faith because, uh, the hardest things in life or the, I should say the best things in life are the hardest to achieve. Uh, the greatest war rewards come through the hardest sacrifices and the, the darkest times. We can't grow unless we are refined in some sort of fire of life. You know, we grow as individuals. Our characters grow when we go through hard times. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, most people, I think, would agree with that. It, it's, a, it's an elemental truth that you grow more when you are challenged and my high school years were a huge challenge yeah. both to try to fit in and develop relationships and still maintain my faith um you said that you, you that was your family you see at an early age religion was a christianity was a huge part of your of your upbringing yeah absolutely i accepted jesus when i was six years old um, so I, I've been a, I've been a Christian since I was six. And for your, like, I guess like activities, does that, does that give you like a world outside of school that encompasses, you know, your free um, time? Certainly, certainly. Um, being that, uh, you know, in school, we, uh, outside of school for church, we had our youth groups that I was always involved with. Um, and our youth group did a lot of activities. We used to go to, um, you know, camps, summer camps, uh, we're, we're all Christian camps. Uh, we had youth retreats that we used to go to all the time, Christian concerts. So yeah, absolutely. I was very involved with the church groups, the church outings. Um, that was a huge part of, of my life outside of school. Were there, I'm, I'm assuming like there's kids in these groups there. Um, like, so anyone and no one from was a Hicken though, right? Like all completely like um, non. Actually, actually, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Are, do you remember, uh, David Cooney or, or, uh, Joanna? Yeah. Cooney? Joe, Joe and Dave Cooney. Yes. Yeah. So I grew up with Dave and, uh, Joanna. We went to the same church for many, 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 many years. Um, but believe it or not, yeah, um, there there was a handful of, of, of fellow Christians that we you, you kind of make a core group. Once you find people of similar faith, uh, you can't really help 
but develop a, a, a kind of a, a core group with them. Um, you know, Joanna was in our in, in choir with us for a while. Yeah. So, you know, we, we became friends growing up. Um, and there's a few others, but mainly Joanna and David were the, my two main uh, believers at, at school. Was Dave Cooney the nicest guy in the world? <laughs> that absolutely right. david should have gotten an award for how cool he was he was always awesome really uh, really really nice like hey dave um, what's up and he'd be like Hi, hey man how you how doing are you, are you oh, okay dave, i'll tell you what david's still one of my best friends today oh that's uh, awesome he uh he and i keep in contact and uh we we have a very very long standing relationship together he, he's he's a he's a brother he's actually my one of my brothers um i asked that because you know i i just when you're talking about like the the difficulty of of you know trying to not justify but you know adjust and and go along with this world that you're that you're that you're in um is there do you have these discussions with with other kids who are going through similar things or does it seem you know for me, I felt like one of the difficulties of my childhood, and I think a lot of kids in general, no matter what your difficulties are, is that you think you're the only one uh, going okay. through whatever it is. Did, were you able to have these like similar conversations to people who are in your in your youth groups or anything talking about like, oh, at my school, I'm I'm dealing with this. Were you able to like bounce these these challenges off of other people in like situations? I tend, when I was younger, not so much today, I've kind of reverted, I've gone the opposite direction now. Uh, but when I was a kid and teenager, I internalized a lot. Um, I didn't necessarily communicate well. Um, I, I did at times feel like I was uh, alone, you know, in, in certain circumstances. Um, Generally, I didn't have those discussions. Um, generally, when I was hanging out with uh, my Christian friends from church, we were talking about other things. It was, you know, having fun and, and just kind of escaping the humdrum everyday routine. You know, yeah. we just want to have fun. Um, so no, I, I don't think I really had a lot of those discussions myself. Um, yeah, I was distracted easy. <laughs> where did you, uh, having, well, I was gonna ask, where did you come out on the, on the other side of that? I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, you mentioned rent and, and I, we went to go see rent, uh, our senior year, uh, on a trip to, right. We took a trip to, to New York. Um, yeah. shout out to, to Jess Kessler just sent me a picture of, uh, a few of us, like just on the sidewalk outside the hard rock cafe and we're all wearing baggy khakis. Yeah. Um, but so how do you, you know, just, you know, you, you make it through your 18, you make it through it. How do you, at the end of that, where do you come out as far as how good of a job you think you did? Um, what you think, if you thought you adjusted, you know, some of those things that maybe came into high school with, if you felt like you were able to say, no, I, I feel like this, this is who I felt like I was. And I stayed true to this. Where'd you come out on the other side of that by the time you graduated? By the time I graduated, well, by the time I graduated, I, 
I knew who I was for the most part. Um, I knew what I didn't want to be. I knew the kind of person that I wanted to be. So I guess uh, I, I, I was pretty well-rounded, I, I think. Um, did you I learn? Had, well, did you did you learn more from people you know, people that maybe your guard isn't up as much, you know, I'm like Clyburn or whatever, who's, who maybe is involved more, like you said, you know, music, um, and just so many different points of views that were you able to like, kind of, were you able to like take something in from those experiences, those people? Oh, absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll use Michael as, as an example. I'm sure he's going to love hearing his name all so many times. Um, by the way, shout out Michael. I love the man. Um, absolutely. Um, Mike, Mike and I lived together for a while uh, in, uh, in Ambler. We actually, okay. uh, we, were, we were roomies for a while on, on Maple Street. And, um, those were some of the most, um, fun and exciting and memorable years that I, I will never forget. Um, you know, Michael introduced me to Incubus, you know, Nirvana, Linkin Park, you know, like he, he's always been a rocker, man. He's, he's the whitest black guy I've ever known. I love him. <laughs> um, I just, I love him, man. He, he's, he's been, Michael has always accepted me for who I was. He, he, Michael's always known that I was a believer. He's always known that I'm a Christian and he helped me accept myself and accept other people too, because I figured, you know, as, as a Christian, right. Uh, our, my, I'm supposed to be able to accept other people. I'm supposed to love everybody. And that's hard even for a Christian, you know, and I have the example of, of Jesus as my example, but when I have somebody that, you know, and I don't know where Michael stands with his faith or not. I, I'm pretty sure he grew up in church, but I don't know where he stands today. But as a teenager, as a young 20 or something, 20 something, you know, he didn't care what my background was. He just loved me for who I was. He was just my buddy. You know, we were just friends. And I said, you know, if Michael can accept me for who I am, well, I got to do the same for him. Mm. You know, and we became such good friends that, you know, even today, man, I can just text him real quick. And, you know, man, I'm thinking about you. I love you, man. I hope, hope everybody's, you know, hope you're well. Yeah. Um, but it did. It helped me learn how to accept others with all of their corks and all their issues. And, you know, like you be you, I be me, you know, hopefully we can find some common ground. But I'm not going to change you. I, it's not my job in life to change who you are, and it's not your job in life to change who I am. I just, I just want to try to find some common ground with everybody around me and get along. You know, at, at the most, I, I hope for peace between me and me and you. You know, but having having friends that fell out of my church realm, you know, and and that was that was a challenging thing growing up. Is you know, I had my school friends and I had my church friends. And with the exception of David and Joanna Cooney, uh, they really didn't mix. It, it was it was 
is like two separate worlds that I was part of. And it was only in, you know, later on in my, my mid to late twenties that I realized that it really is, it was all one. I made it separate, you know, you know, I felt like at church, I had to be church John at school. I was John, you know, John friend, you know, and it's, it's really challenging having two separate worlds that you come from and not knowing how to fit into both of those. Mm-hmm. And having my Christian friends was big as a big part of who I became, who I am today, but also having my, my school friends and my non-Christian friends likewise helped me become who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what your background is, everybody has different things you can learn from. And that's, it's something that I've, I've adapted to over, you know, in my 39 years is you, Brad, you have your own life story. You have your own experiences that I could learn from, you know, and I don't know what experiences that I have that could help somebody else. So taking in the, in, you know, the broad perspective you know, we're just, we're all just people trying to make it through this crazy life. It doesn't matter what kind of background we come from. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if we got the COVID vaccine or not. You're, you know, you have value to your, to your life and I have value to mine and, and I, and I have to respect your, your background. You know, not everybody else's, everybody comes from a different background and it's yeah. really tough it's really tough to accept, to be accepting in a way that doesn't um, break my my own convictions. Um, you know, especially in today's society, you know, trying to, when you have, um, you know, the Bible that speaks very strongly about certain things, society, societal um you know, moral values and stuff. Well, when you have that faith that's built into you and then you're surrounded by things that are anti that, um, it's difficult as a Christian to know how to react Mm. to those scenarios. Um, But I really feel, I believe that having people like Michael as my friends growing up, it helped me to understand where they're coming from a lot easier. So having a device, a diverse group of friends throughout school absolutely helped me to become a lot more open-minded to, you know, be accepting to people about people. Yeah. Um, You mentioned music um, pre like introduction to pop music and post. Um, I'm again, you know, part of the fun of this is the nostalgia and the pop culture aspects. What are, was there like an artist or an album that particularly uh, struck you in high school that you were like, this is the one. Um, <laughs> um, well, obviously there's my whole Christian uh, yeah. genre. I, yeah, I give just, me both. Give me, give me, give me oh one of each or a couple of each. If anything that strikes you. There are so many. <laughs> And it's really, really, really tough. There's a group called Disciple, a Christian hard rock group that uh, their album's called uh, This Might Sting a Little. And 
that that album was just so hardcore that even today, man, I'll pop it on and I'll just rock out in my truck. Um, you know, stuff like that. Linkin Park, Hybrid Theory, obviously, that is an iconic album that everybody across, you know, ages knows that album. And in fact, it's, I even told my son, I said, listen, uh, you know, we, we listen to most Christian music in our home, but if there's one band, one album, that I will tell you that you absolutely have to listen to it's hybrid theory. You All know, right. it is, I, I said that you have to, that it is, it's, you know, system of a down, believe it or not. I had quite a few years where I was hardcore system of a down. Wow. Um, yeah. Crazy. You know, coming from a Christian home, listening to the system, but um, I'm sure my mom never heard me listen to it, but I didn't really care at that point <laughs> in my life. Um, you know, uh, yeah, Incubus, Incubus, uh, I, once I was introduced to them, I, uh, oh boy, um, there, they were a large part of like when I'm after school moving in with Michael, it was, it was Lincoln Park, Incubus, Nirvana. It was like, you know, the, the classic, classic groups. Yeah. Um, but in, you know, to this day, man, there, I, Petra is another Christian group that I grew up with. You know, there's so there's just too many to, to really count. Uh, but I, I was always I like rock. You know, I yeah. I'm a lot more calm these days. You know, like I like more soothing, relaxing stuff nowadays. But every once in a while, I still I still uh, still got to rock out and just play. Really. I go in my garage and crank it all the way up, and I'm you know. My kids walk in and they're like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? And I'm like, just go away. I'm having a moment, you know? <laughs> but, you know, anytime I'm working around the house, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if you can see in the background here, but I'm putting new flooring down in my living room. And yeah, I see the panels. Pretty much music is such an integral part of who I am that my kids know when I'm working on any project, if I got my music going, just don't bother me mm. because... Like I'm in my zone and I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll wail, man. I just have fun. I have so much fun. I'm the same. I like, before I do anything in like around my house, um, dishes, sweeping laundry. It's like, let me get a good 10 to 15 songs like queued up here to play. Absolutely. It, it's been a, uh, a large contention between my wife and I, because I like my music loud. So when my wife's around, I, I got to play, keep it kind of subtle. Mm. But as soon as she's out of the house, man, I crank it right up. And my neighbor doesn't care because he, he, he likes his music loud too. So nice. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Music is just, it, it's a huge part of who, you know, who we are. Yeah. Uh, and it really does transcend, transcend ages and, and years. So absolutely. Um, did you do any sports? In high school? Uh, yeah, I did. Actually, I tried out. I did track and field for a little while. Um, however, it didn't last because I wasn't fully outgrown. I, I didn't fully outgrow my asthma at that point. Oh. So I, I had child. I had asthma as a child, and I, I wasn't fully out of it yet. It wasn't until my like my mid to late twenties where I finally. It didn't bother me anymore. Mm. Um, I, for a short time, for the beginning of ninth grade, I moved to, I moved to Florida. Uh, my 
my dad moved us there to help my grandparents. So I wasn't, um, it was weird. I started the beginning of ninth grade in Florida. And then about, I don't know, four or six months after that, we moved back because my parents realized that uh, I was, I got involved with the wrong group, the wrong crowd. And she was like, nope, it ain't happening. So they moved us back here. So I came back to ninth in ninth grade and I was redefining myself a little bit. And um, I decided, oh, I played volleyball in, in Florida. Mm. So I was I was huge in the volleyball, but then Wissahickon didn't have a volleyball team. Right. Well, so, we're not we're not uh, on a beach. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, indoor volleyball, whatever. Sure. Yeah. But uh, I tried so I tried track and field. I did that for one semester, but it didn't last. Um, I realized I wasn't as fast as I thought it was. And I didn't, I couldn't jump as high as I thought it was. And I wasn't uh-huh. as strong as I thought I was. <laughs> Total <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much everything. I was just a failure. So I gave up on that. <laughs> um, and then I, I, I did go out. <laughs> I went out for baseball and I did enjoy baseball, but um, I got really discouraged because of the politics. Yeah. Um, and I tried out for baseball. They pretty much said no to my face because I don't know, for whatever reason, they, they just canned me. They, they didn't even give me a chance. Wow. So I, I, I wrote it off school sports after that. I said, screw them. I'm not taking anything else. I'm, I'm not going through this pain because it hurt, man. It hurt. You know, as a, as a kid, you go out for a team, you know, you're like, yeah, I want to play. I want to play. And then, you know, something nowadays, I don't see it. It's not that traumatic, but at that age, it was a traumatic experience and it really turned me off. I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with school sports after that. No, I was terrible. I was terrible with team sports. Um, even like recreationally baseball, other than I played basketball, but at a certain point, like by the time I became like 14, I was just bad. And, and I choked on the pressure all the time. I, I did, I know I did basketball, I did baseball, but as soon as I was under that pressure, man, I choked hard. And, but, and every sport was with kids that we went to school with, like, you know, whether it was recreational or whatever, like you, the next day you're like, well, it's like, yeah. I saw him strike. Like, you should see this guy yeah, swing it, a bat. It, there was so much pressure to be good. And if you weren't like awesome or at least mediocrely, you know, mediocre good, I don't know, man, they, high school's hard it was hard you know you like you said everybody knew you you knew everybody and word just got around too quick yeah there was no secrets man no secrets <laughs> yeah the only the only sport i felt comfortable doing like out in the open was like kickball or mat ball <laughs> that was, i was like i, I knew i could do that it was, it was funny because if it wasn't if it wasn't a, a pressure event man i was great at baseball yeah you know I, I was great at basketball i could play football i could play all the sports and i was i was really good until yeah. it was it was it was for points you know until it meant something mm-hmm. and then i couldn't I, I was just i wasn't good under pressure back then yeah so um i gave up um are you uh puerto rican john i am puerto rican um, it was funny. The only other Puerto Rican back then was Javier Marquis. 
and my I, sister, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, Javier was one of the only other Puerto Ricans back then. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say uh, he he so. <laughs> Funny enough, I've I've talked to Javier for the podcast, and he is uh, his dad is white, so he's half Puerto Rican, half half white, and he uh, revealed on the podcast that he really, until like his twenties, when he started having interactions with people in other states, he looked at himself as like a white guy. Yeah. Well, you, well, you look at me. I, I don't look Puerto Rican. I don't sound Puerto Rican. I've never. No, <laughs> I've never come across as a standard Puerto Rican dude. Yeah. You know, what is a standard Puerto Rican? I mean, you know, when we were coming up in high school, we were literally right in the middle of like, hey, Puerto Ricans are everyday white people, right? Christina Aguilera was Puerto Rican. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Martin was Puerto Rican. And all of a sudden was like, no, just like these white blondes are, are Puerto Ricans. And I, me not being very diverse outside of like just black and white people. Uh, like experiencing this thing for the first time on television. I'm just learning. I'm like, oh, okay, not all Latinos are brown. <laughs> right. And not all not all Latinos speak Spanish either, because I don't I'm not fluent. Yeah. You know, I, I can speak broken Spanglish, you know, and that's that's at best. Um and, and that comes from my parents because my parents both speak fluently, but they decided they wanted me to learn English as my first language primarily. Yeah. So the little bit of Spanish I know, I just kind of picked up through the years, but you know, even today I'm not fluent. Uh, and, but at the, when you're in school and then you come across another Puerto Rican dude, it's like, Hey man, we got something in common. So we, we got along marginally be just because of our, you know, our ethnicity. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of, we were the, back then we were actually the minority. Right now, today's Spanish people aren't the minority anymore. Right. Uh, you know, and it, it was it was kind of a, a novelty thing back then. Yeah, man, I'm Puerto Rican. You know, we're, it, it was just it was a random, you know, it was cool back then. Yeah. Now she's like, yeah, you're Puerto Rican. <laughs> you and I had a nice little running gag senior year. Uh, when we would, and I didn't bring this up to her when I was talking to her the other day, but when I was talking to Je you and I had a gag with like Jess Kessler, uh, where we would, where we would tell, and, and everyone in course, we would tell them that we were smoking banana peels. Oh my goodness. I remember that. And not just I banana peels, but like just the little stringy <laughs> part that would be on the banana that you could also peel, like just a little stringy part. Like, yeah. You, you dry those out. We're drying those out. Oh we're smoking goodness. them. Oh my goodness. You know what's funny? I actually did try it. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you know what's hilarious? I tried it with paper. Yeah. With, with regular note paper. It was hilarious, man. I took, okay, so I collected all the banana peels from, from my house, right? Dude, it's, I'm not kidding. So every time I would eat banana, I would put a little string up and I'd put it aside. Put it aside. I put them all on wax paper. Yeah. I don't know how many of these things I collected, right? So I collect all these things. I dried them all out. I crushed them <laughs> and I wrote them in no paper, man. And then I wrote it up like a blunt, like I yeah. was trying to try it up. And I tried smoking it, dude. It was horrible. Yeah, it was just horrible. Couldn't but breathe I for tried days, it. Probably. It's so funny, man. Did the paper at least get you lightheaded? No, the paper <laughs> made me cough more. Dude, it was 
so much. It was so funny. Oh, I thought to myself, what am I doing, man? This is ridiculous. At least try. Oh, man. It was, that was, that's fun. That's a funny one. So I was so inexperienced, right? I didn't, I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. Um, which is why I think like in senior year, I think, I, I think we got along so well because our vibe yeah. was just on just being kids. Um, and we can make jokes. Just to have fun. Yeah. There was no, like, uh, you know, we're making jokes about drugs and you're not looking at me going, you're lying. You don't even do drugs. You're lame. You know, and that was always my fear. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be myself and make jokes about doing drugs. Yeah, and, um, I, absolutely. And I, and I think I probably believe, cause I was just gullible. I probably believe that you were like down, you were like, you knew what was up. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is a joke, but he might actually like, maybe he'll invite me out one <laughs> nah, time and like come smoke some me? banana peel or no way, man. I, I, I would have never tried that in school. I, 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 I had no desire to do drugs. I had no desire to smoke. I had no desire to drink. Like I just, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be that guy. It was yeah. so funny. And when I, I do remember, man, when we started making those jokes, there was a little part of me that's like, man, I probably shouldn't be joking like this, but it's so much fun and it's innocent. And I knew it was innocent because whatever, but, uh, Oh, you know, I just thought of something. Yeah. The very, very first secular CD that I ever got the very first like a uh, secular band, non-Christian band that I ever listened to was from Jenny McLaughlin. Oh, she cool. came in. She gave me a burnt CD, and it was Three Doors Down. They were so huge. Very first um, non-Christian group I ever listened to. It was Three Doors Down. Sorry, it just popped in my head because I remember she was she used to sit in me, sit uh, a few rows down or a few seats down for me in, in choir. Yeah. And we were just always good friends. And I remember she brought me in the CD one day, and that was the very first non-Christian CD I ever listened to. Yeah, they were. I I like to say that uh, that myself and Scott Ritter really Scott, but we discovered them uh, way before they were popular. Uh, and then I remember they they made it to the radio. We had already li listened to the album over and over. We knew like the the deep cuts, and then like Superman, Kryptonite made it big on the radio. Oh. And I remember it was like Jed Carson asking me, "What's that Three Doors Down song?" And I'm like, "Kryptonite." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go down. <laughs> I'm gonna go download it." I'm like. Why don't you buy the album and support the artist? <laughs> and now it's cut to like, I have not bought music in, you know, 20 years now. I bootleg well, and download everything. The, uh, but. <laughs> the one song, uh, Choices on that album, I, I probably listened to that song, I don't know, 10, 12 dozen times, man. Yeah. One right after another. I just love that song. That song used to, uh, uh, is it Choices? Is it Choices? Changes, 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 that's what it's called, okay. changes. I've been going through changes. Oh my goodness, that song, I, I listened to that song so many times. Is that, Ozzy? Is that an Ozzy Osbourne song? No, no, it's, okay. it's from Three Doors Down. Okay, they're not covering uh, it, right? Isn't there an Ozzy song, Change? I've been going through changes? I don't know. We'll see, I don't know Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, right, I was just thinking. Like, I don't know John, you, you got to start a YouTube page where you're reacting to like all these things that you still have <laughs> that, that still haven't entered your world. No, I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a nice idea, but it's just gonna go right out the window. Uh, uh, this is this I just believe it or not, this is the first podcast slash uh, video chat I've ever done. Really? Uh, on the computer, yeah. I mean, I, aside from like. Uh, 
what's it called? Um, FaceTime. Aside from FaceTime, this is the first actual this I've ever done. Uh, well, now with since COVID and all that, now I'm I'm very versed in it. But when the podcast first started, they were face to face. You know, they would come to my house here in the city. We'd have a couple beers and and we would just chop it up in my in my second in my second room. I converted to like a studio. Um, cool. but now since COVID now we've been doing them like this and, well, you're not the only one. There's a lot of people who are like, who are like, wait, what is this? What am I doing? You know, it's, <laughs> well, I, I don't even know how to zoom the stupid thing in. So I, I you know, I get yeah. a closer picture, but no, um, no, you, you got it. You got it. And I can do all that in post-production, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm only, uh, I'm, I'm only as tech savvy as I want it, as I feel like being, mm-hmm. you know, I I'm capable, but I, I find that I I'm choosing not to be as tech savvy as the older I get. Yeah. I, you know? I definitely get that. I do that with like, um, my phone, uh, and other things. I'm just going, no, I don't, I don't need the update. I just downgraded my phone actually. Yeah. I, like I, a six year older I, phone. I um I refuse to get rid of my Samsung S8, my my Galaxy S8 because it's still. That's works what amazing. I downgraded to. Are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> it's my hair, man. I love this phone. I love this thing. <laughs> it's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> I just downgraded from a from a Pixel Four to the to the S8. Dude, I love this phone. I I can't kill it. I've dropped this thing so many times. What um? So as did you work at all in high school? I did. Where'd first job, first job was McDonald's in Ambler. I worked at my first job was McDonald's, the one in Dresher. Yeah, yeah. Um, Terrible, right? Back, you know what? Back then, uh, my my boss was uh, Bill Kerr. He was, uh, his dad was the owner of the McDonald's and his son, Bill was my manager. And I tell you what, man, it was awesome work with him because he was such a hothead. He would get pissed off and he'd go start pounding on the refrigerator door, making dents in it. Oh my goodness. It was so funny. He would flip out, but then he'd be totally cool. Like he would just flip out and then, and then he'd be like, Okay, you know, how you doing? You know, yeah. Uh, oh, it was so much funny. It was so funny, man. He would, he was such a hothead. Wow. And I, I would just, I would just laugh at him quietly because I'm like, dude, what is your deal? Um, but I, yeah, man, I was, I was a, uh, I was an awesome drive through guy. The drive through. I was so guy. friendly and, and courteous. And uh, that I was, I, my, my thing was, I would always work in the morning on, on the weekends. And I would take a sausage and I uh, one of the, the sausage patties with a pancake, and I make a pig in a blanket, and I used to eat them every morning. Oh yeah! Oh, the, before the McGriddle. Yeah, before the McGriddle, I used to make a. What is that? Oh, yeah, I used to make. Um, that's my ferret. <laughs> seen him crawling, <laughs> walk, going around a bit. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I used to make pigs in a blanket over there. It was so much fun. I had a blast. Where'd you go uh, after that? Or was that the was that the the longest after- job? After that, I think that was like 14, age 14 or 15 or something like yeah. that. Whenever like the early stage that they hired back then. After that, I went to a deli. Um, believe it or not, I think it was, you know, right in Penn Lynn, 
that little the, the Penn uh, Phillies, the little deli right there in Penland. Yeah, on Pen, on Penland Pike there, a little on the right. Yeah, right, side. right on right right after the tracks. Yep. Right, right next to the dry cleaners. I yep. worked there, but it was some it was called something else back then. Okay. Um, and I worked there for a while. Bunch of little diners and delis, and I pretty I've pretty much had a job ever since. Just okay. working working in places. So as uh, as high school is is like kind of going through and you're becoming like 16, 17 and everyone's like, Oh, college. And here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to be. I know you said you wanted yeah. to be a dad, but uh, you've got to start. I don't know. We're expected to make some sort of plan of when you graduate, then you're going to do blank. What did you think? <laughs> you were, did you think you, right. I, I didn't, I was going to, I was going to procrastinate my way into Monco. That was my plan. That was my well, non plan plan. I um at graduation or you know slightly before graduation, I talked to my parents. And I said, "Mom and Dad, um, I'll try it. I'll, I'll I'll try going." And and I got a not a not a I got some grants for um, Valley Forge Christian College out in Phoenixville area, not that way. So I went there. <laughs> I, I made it through uh, freshman week and the first month of school, and then 9/11 happened. Right. And um, I was, I guess, a little caveat for 9/11. I was in my dorm room playing Nintendo 64, StarCraft, or uh, uh, Star Star Fox, and it was my normal routine in the morning. I was I would get up placed uh n64 for a little while and then i turn on this the tv and watch the news for a little while and then i kind of get ready and go to my classes well i turned the tv on and the first plane had just hit mm-hmm. and then <laughs> slightly at, and then i'm sitting on my bed watching this all happen and then you know i watched everything happen and then you know after the main stuff you know with with 9-11 and the buildings fell and everything um, the school had a, an assembly and we went to the assembly. And at that point I called my mom and dad and I said, mom and dad, I'm going to go into the military. I said, I, I want to join. I'm going to, I, I want to fight for my country. So I said, I'm quitting. Plus I really have no interest in, in doing the school. So my parents were, believe it or not, were able to get all of their money back. Wow. Um, but I, <laughs> I tried every branch of the service and every single one of them turned me down. Uh, really? This is right after 9-11. Yes, because they, because in my, my health records as a child, I had asthma. Asthma, right. And I refused to lie. You know, they, my, the recruiters were all like, oh, just, just, just say there's nothing wrong with you and just whatever. And I was like, no, I'm going to tell the truth. If it's meant to be, then it's meant to be. I'm not going to lie just to get into the service. I'm not right. doing that. So, you know, I gave him my record and, you know, I went through every, I mean, literally every branch of the service I tried and every single one of them turned me down and, and said no. So I was like, all right, well, I guess it's not meant to be. And I kind of, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to go to work. And so that's what I did. I ended up getting a job at, um, at a granite company, a marble and granite company in uh, Warminster. And from that, from, from that point on, 
to 16 years later, I, I worked with natural stone okay. for 16 years. Um, I did that for, yeah, I did that for 16 years. That took me all over the place. And uh, that's a history in, its, uh, in itself. What do you mean? Uh, it, I, I learned everything there was about, I mean, literally everything about the natural stone world. Um, oh. I started off with a company. The company split. I went off with the other. Like the, There are two owners that work together. They split. I went with the one owner. They started their own business. Did everything. And then later on, I got another job with another company that um, ended up moving me to New York for uh, for four years or whatever it was. Wow. When I was in New York, I actually started my own business. And I had my own business for three years. Um, but it didn't work out. I, uh, I, I found out I'm a really bad business owner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mainly because I had more money than I ever had and I wasted it and I couldn't handle the, I couldn't handle the, the, the legal stuff with the business, yeah, yeah, the yeah. government stuff, yeah. keeping up with the taxes and the government just dude, I could not handle it. I could run the business all day long, every day, work with customers and I was happy as a clam. But as soon as I had to sit in front of my computer and you know, do reports and taxes and all that jazz. I'm so, in a, I'm in a similar boat now, so I can I can sympathize. Yeah, trying um, to figure that stuff out's hard. It was a it was a very valuable experience. I wouldn't give it up for anything, <laughs> and I would do it all over again. It was probably the hardest, one of the hardest uh, experiences I've ever had was owning my own business and going through that whirlwind of emotions and and ups and downs and it was hard um did you ever did you ever look out before you you applied to the college in uh in phoenixville did you look at like what everyone else was doing and say any of that could be for you um as far as what well i don't know like moving the moving away the having picking whether it's what you're going to do or not making up a, a a path for yourself and just going what i found is that majority of the people that i've talked to um their college story generally proceeds as they went they realized they were there for completely the wrong thing either at the end or halfway through and change course and elongated their college career or went deeper into into that thing that they changed their mind on. Uh, but that seems to be the general course. Did you at any point decide like, you know, this is what something I could do. Maybe I should look here and go do this. Or was it always, I'm going to, I know you, it seems like you didn't have like a big college aspirations as far as like, I want to go to. No. But, no, I, I'm a, I guess I'm like in comparison master. to what you're looking at other people doing, right? All of your other friends and everything, they're all <laughs> doing you know, blank. It's, it's funny because um, my perspective on looking at other people was they're just wasting their money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would, I would see, you know, one of my friends would, would change. I don't know how many times Ellen changed her, her major. 
you know, like, I don't know how many times some of my other friends change their majors. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? How many, like, I guess I looked at them as you're wasting your time. And, and I figured I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to work and see where life takes me. I, I don't know. I'm, I kind of look at myself as the master of winging it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I really have no major aspirations. I didn't have any major aspirations. You know, I had a, a bucket list of things that I wanted to do, like having my own job, have my own business. I wanted to do that. You know, I did it. And I yeah. kind of checked it off my list and, you know, yeah. all right, moving on. What's next? I, um, did your parents, I, did your parents go to college? Nope. Did you ever get, did you ever get um, one of my things that I, I never like knew how to ask for help? And uh, my parents did go to college. So it was like a, it was a struggle for me to like, you know, I went to Monco and got my associates. Um I got an associate's degree, an extra associate's degree, by the way, from Onco in science because I took geology. Just so you know, <laughs> rocks. So yeah, rocks. Rock solid. Yeah, rocks are, are my thing. I got a I got a very solid D in that geology <laughs> class, which, That's awesome. which uh, qualified me for an, an extra associate's degree that I didn't know I had earned. So oh, we're we're about well, congrat- level. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I know geologists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. But, you know, did you, like, did you get any help? I never got, like, here's what – I never got, like, the the checklist of, hey, here's what you need to do if you're, you know, in the future. And I felt like if I'd been given those tools maybe a little bit earlier and that I could have, like, snapped into something more specific that I could have chosen rather than – I don't know. Maybe that's just life, right? You got to let things happen and whatever, but – did you ever get any type of like, did someone ever try and get you say, no, John, John, you can't, you can't play this out to the end of high school. You need to try this or try that or get involved in this, or you need to look at this school. Did anyone from school or around you like try and steer you? I think they did, but I didn't listen. Yeah. Um, I, I, by the time high school was over i didn't want to go back to school i i wanted to not do homework <laughs> i didn't want tests i didn't want ha- I, my my version of studying was crammed right before the test right same <laughs> or pay attention in class so i don't have to study right you know i just i, I didn't I, I hated doing reports. I hated having to research something. Like I didn't want to do more work. I just wanted to play. No, I want to. I want to be outside. I want to explore. I want to. I wanted adventure. I was just adventure. Mm-hmm. You know. And what's the next adventure? What's the next cool thing that could happen? I. I think to this day, I don't have a direction that I'm going in. I, I just, I just kind of wherever the, wherever the current takes me, that's where I go. Uh, I, I've never, I've never had a plan. Another thing that I did want to, I did want to mention was um, you don't know this story, but 
uh, in middle school, I guess, around the time I met you. And, and I remember you starting, I guess, like seventh grade. Um, and I think, and I've made mentions this before and I haven't been able to pinpoint, but I'm pretty sure now that I'm thinking about it, it was you with the Juices Loose t-shirt uh, when, OJ was a, <laughs> when OJ was acquitted in seventh grade. Um, but beyond that, going back to just seventh grade and you. So you were the first John, J-O-N, that I had ever encountered in my life. <laughs> And so this is super weird, but so we had a report, a book report due, and I took out the book. It was a book about baseball. It was some, you know, fiction about baseball kid who's going out for the baseball team or something. I don't know because I never read the book. Instead, (laughs) I made up what I think the book might be about because I knew no one was going to read this book. (laughs) That's awesome. And in the, because I am a creative type and I just create stories, I created this story about this kid who tried to join the baseball team and the kid's name was John. I made the kid's name John, J-O-N. I think in the book it was like Matt or something like that. Uh, and my, awesome. my dad reads the book report and he's like, this is trash. Like, it doesn't even seem like you read the book. And I'm like, yeah, it's about this kid, John. He's like, you spelled John wrong. And I'm like, no, it's J-O-N. That's what it is in the book. He's like, go get the book. I'm like, I didn't bring it. I don't have it. He's like, like, you spelled it wrong. It's not how you spell it. I go, it is how you spell John. I know a John in school. It's J-O-N. You can spell it both ways. Oh, man. But that was back in the days when we didn't have computers. And so you had to handwrite your your book report. uh, Or at least I didn't have a computer. uh, And you had to handwrite your book report. Uh, And so I just didn't want to have to rewrite it. I think my dad cared less about the fact that the story was complete bull and more about the fact that it appeared that I was misspelling the name John, but I was adamant. I was adamant that this was staying as is. What's what's funny is that to this day, I am so anal about the way people spell my name. I I, I don't care who you are. I will correct you. If you spell my name with an H, Mm -hmm. I I just, I can't stand it. I'm not John. I'm, I'm, you know, you don't, don't cough when you say my name or don't, you know, I just, Joe Nathan, I, I, I tell people, Joe Nathan, that's how you spell my name. But it's so funny, man, that you remember that. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's so funny. And I, you um, know, what's funny, is, you know, I, 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 I want to say I vaguely remember that time frame because I probably did a book report on Jurassic Park at least four times in school. Yeah. Because it's the only book, it's one of the only books that I really read. And I just loved it so much. And I, I, I know I did at least four book reports on that. And I, that was probably one of the times that, that I wrote that book report is that same time. Oh, that is so hilarious. Did you have a a movie from like a, from high schoolish times that you were, that you were super into? Oh my goodness. Movies and music, man. Oh man. Too many again. You give me hard questions. Um, <laughs> the ones <laughs> you have just, to actually think back and list. Like, yeah, because I'm not ready for that. Um, I could throw out a couple for you, like a Clueless or a Can't Hardly Wait or a, no, a, see, a Matrix. I no, no, believe it or not, cartoons, pretty much any Disney cartoon. Okay. I'm, I'm, I've always been into Disney, Disney cartoons, man. So any Disney cartoon is probably at the top of my list back then. One so of my the, favorites, the Lion King or Hercules. Oh, I saw I saw Lion King in the theaters, man. That yeah, was, same. Um, believe it or not, 
growing up, I watched all of the Disney classics multiple times, one right after another. Like Robin Hood, I could quote that movie back in the day. Yeah. Peter, excuse me, Peter Pan. In fact, funny story that you may or may not know. Um, <laughs> senior year. Um, and, and I have multiple people who could corroborate this story, mainly Vern Cheatham, Alan, and probably a dozen others. Um, after prom, I didn't go to prom. I was with you. Do you remember that? We went to Alan's house. We went to Alan's house. In the backyard and they were like in a tent. Yeah. Okay. So you do. I drove, so you- I drove you. Did you drive me? Are you sure? Because I thought I drove, I snuck out and I thought I drove, um, I thought I drove there and I snuck out or did I ride my bike? Because she didn't live far from me. I feel like I I drove. I feel like I picked you up. I don't remember now. I remember, I I know I snuck out and I could have gotten in a lot of trouble, but I didn't. But um, at Ellen's house, I had an experience with a bottle of vodka, with a bottle of Absolute. It's the first time I ever drank Absolute, and I drank a lot of it. And I was messed up on her living room floor, and I wanted to watch a movie. And I put in Robin Hood. And I kind of passed out under her coffee table watching Robin Hood. And Vern picks me up, because he's, you know, Vern. And he picks me up to kind of take me up to a bed or something to, to let me rest. And I wake up and, <laughs> and I start quoting Robin Hood to him. The secret's and I, out. I, oh, it was so funny, man. You guys know John's a big Robin Hood fan? Oh, uh, dude, it was so much fun. It was it was a blast. You know, that I was never a drinker, but you know, I you know, I experimented a little bit. You know, to this day, I'm not a huge drinker, but um, it was just so much fun. It was such a Vern. Anytime I talk to Vern, that story always comes up, man. So, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask: Is that do we think that's prom, or do we think that was Ellen's graduation party? Oh, because I don't think Vern was at prom. I remember was like I remember feeling very awkward because I was it was okay. you and me, and we went to Ellen's, right. and it was like Ellen and maybe like maybe like two other people backyard. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think. But the graduation party was like an all night in the house thing. And that was was different. Yeah, they were different. I always say like, I I don't know. That wasn't what I wanted to do for prom. I don't think, but I don't know that I wanted to actually go to prom in the first place. You know, I, I also felt really awkward, you know, being that I didn't have a girlfriend, I, I didn't date. I didn't have anybody that I felt close to that right. in that way that I really. And plus, I was also kind of shy with dancing in public. I didn't want to dance. I, you know, I, I didn't date. I didn't dance. I didn't dress up. I, you know what? I, I dressed up when I had to, but I hated dressing up. Yeah. You know, I hated wearing a tie for chorus. It's, it's so the only uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable and hot. Uh, but you know, yeah, I, I didn't like dancing in public. I didn't, again, I didn't like making a spectacle of myself. I didn't like people laughing at me. And yeah. I felt like if I went to prom, then, 
you know, you, you kind of have to dance. You know, you go to the prom to dance. However, however, later on after school or later on in school, like when, um, what was the place in, in um, on 73, that, that club that, that shut down on Skip Back Pike? Reeds. Oh, Reeds. Yeah, shout out to Reeds. Shout out to Reeds, man. Um, back back then, when Reeds was still open, I used to go with Jenny and Ellen, and I could dance. I could dance all night long, but it was so much fun going with them. Yeah, because I was their their protector. So because they didn't want to dance with any any weirdos, mm-hmm. so they danced with me. But because we were so close, it wasn't awkward. It was right. just three friends having fun. No pressure. There's no pressure no pressure and 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 that's it's always that pressure that got me you yeah. know and I, the expectations that were involved with that i i just i didn't i didn't want to have to deal with that yeah exactly the exact same i'd rather find something else to do than the anxiety of having to yeah. figure this out oh, that's well, so funny. obviously that changed uh how when when did you meet your wife oh snap I've known my wife since we were about 10, 12 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so one of my church friends growing up, um, my wife, Yvonne, is his cousin. Oh, okay. So I used to hang out at his house all the time. And his cousin, my wife, used to come to visit. They, they, uh, she grew up in New Jersey. Hmm. So they would come down for the summer and stay at their cousin's house for the summer. So growing up hanging out with him i got to know my wife as a friend so we were pen pals and we were growing up and um again because we're you know, we're all puerto rican it was just kind of like a, a little niche a little click in the church you know as our in on our church friends yeah so we were we've been friends since we were 10 12 years old man um and you know she has two sisters. Um, so there's the three of them. So the three of us all used to hang out all the time, but she's the oldest of the three. And I always thought she was the prettiest. I just, I liked her the most. I I thought she was cute and adorable and just sweet, but I might've had a crush on her, but I never thought anything of it. Um, it wasn't until she invited me to her graduation in New Jersey. And I remember driving out with my sister. Um, my, my sister went with me and we went to New Jersey and we went to her graduation at the graduation. You know how everybody goes into the field after afterwards and they're all congratulating and high five, you know? Yeah. So we go there and I'm walking up behind my Yvonne and she doesn't care about any of her family. The only thing that she's saying is, where's John? Where's John? Oh, wow. And, and it kind of started to click in my head. I'm like, what? You're John. <laughs> and then she tur- and then she turns around and her face lights up. And I'm like, oh, snap. I think, does she like me? And I was like, do I like her? Like, it was just weird. Man. And she ended up going to visit her, you know, stay at her aunt's house. And we sat on her aunt's porch and we started talking. And we, at that point, I said, listen, I don't want to date you unless I intend to marry you. I, 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 
even after high school, I think I had two girlfriends that lasted maybe a week. One that lasted about a week because she she wanted to move way too fast. I've just I've never been interested in messing around. Yeah, I I wanted to save myself for marriage. You know, being 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 a I didn't want to be involved sexually with a, with any girl until I got married. Yeah, that's always been something very very strong uh, inside of me. And it's one of the reasons, again, that I didn't want to date in school and have that pressure. So, you know, the one girlfriend that I had, she wanted way too fast. She just wanted everything physical. I was like, nah, man, you're out. And then another girl, <laughs> it's funny. I was at a summer camp, a Christian summer camp. And one of my female friends, I'm in the park. <laughs> she stole a kiss from me. Dude, I've never been that angry in my entire life oh. at that point. Dude, she straight up, she, she leaned in and she kissed me on the lips. I was so mad that she kissed me. Yeah. I went home after that camp and I'm, I'm like ranting and raving to my mom and dad. I'm like, I can't believe she did that to me. She stole a kiss from me. I, that was not hers, dude. I was so, I was so mad. But, you know, it's funny as a, you know, I don't know, 15 year old kid feeling violated. I felt violated that she took something from me that wasn't hers to take. Yeah, it was weird. You know, like now I look back and I'm like, man, I was a weird kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was. I was a weird Glad kid. Glad you I, said it. I, <laughs> I, no, I was, man. I, I, I can't deny it. Um, I knew what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted. I wanted to have. I wanted an exclusive relationship. That I didn't want the dregs. I didn't want the leftovers. I wanted a girl who was pure, you know, a girl who was, who was not tainted, not, not used. And I wanted to be the same thing for her. So, you know, eventually, you know, we're sitting on that front porch and we're talking. I said, listen, I don't, if I, if we're going to do this, I want to, I want to date you with the intent of getting married. You know, I, I don't, I want to take this serious. And so we decided right then and there, all right, well, let's start dating, you know, mm -hmm. and, it was hard. It was tough because she lived in New Jersey. So pretty much every, every other day I would hightail it to New Jersey, you know, an hour and a half, two hours away, whatever it was. Wow. And I would, I would make that trip every, you know, every few days. Wow. It was fun. And then when did you actually get married? Uh, I better remember this. Uh, 2006, J uh, uh, July 28, 2006, we got okay. married. So we we dated. Oh uh, man, don't I? I can't tell you when we started dating. Uh, well, was she same age? Was she graduated in 01 like us? She's a year younger. Okay, so, so she, oh, so yeah. oh two is 02. when you, is when you guys you guys have the graduation moment, and then four yeah. years later you're getting married. Um, something like that, yeah, yeah. We yeah we we dated for about or we were engaged for like two, three years, whatever. So we dated and then we, we, we got engaged. So, and how many kids? I have three, three. Uh, yeah. I have three, uh, seven, 10 and 13 year old. So all of your aspirations really did come true. You know what? I got my, my son, I got my two girls and it was crazy because, um, <laughs> first off I got my son first, which was really awesome because yeah. You know what dad doesn't want a boy to, to have fun with and, and kind of spoil on 
Well, and then I got my two girls after that. And, and my son came out with incredibly red hair. So randomly, I got the red gene. I, my mom has cousins um, that have red hair. And randomly, I got the red gene in my kids. So two of my kids, two of my kids have red hair. Um, my son has rust color hair, like straight out rust. And then my, my daughter has more auburn hair. And then my youngest has black hair. Um, um, well, the last thing I like to do, John, before, uh, before I end these conversations is I like to, I like to take a quick look in the yearbook. Just, <laughs> awesome. Just to, uh, just to embarrass and see what we had going you know on what, here. You know, it's funny. I, I thought about getting my yearbooks out just to spark some memories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I remembered, I don't remember there where they are. <laughs> well, for your reference point then. There you are. Oh, snap. I look, oh, crap. Look at that mustache. <laughs> that was a fun picture to, to see. Yeah, dude. Um, let me see what you got here. You have horticulture for ninth grade, track for 11th grade, and then yeah. chorus, 9 through 12th. Uh, yeah. your, your quote, your entry here is, everything's well, winky see horrible things and can't believe his, hot, his eyes. What does that mean? <laughs> I remember that quote. Oh my goodness. Wink, winky see horrible things and can't believe his eyes. Winky sees. It's supposed to say winky sees. They forgot the S. They forgot the S. So they screwed it up. But it's supposed yeah. to say winky sees horrible things and can't believe his eyes. Who was winky? It's, it's, dude, this is my brain. It's, it's just a random thing that I thought of. I. I don't even know where I came up with that, but when they were, when they were trying to come up with the, you know, say, give a quote for the yearbook, I, I just random thought that up, man. It was, it was so random. It was just completely off the wall. I, I have no idea where I came from. <laughs> well, I hated my entry. I was talking with Bianca, uh, Bianca Mercer in the last episode, just about like the pressure to like put something in here because you know, it's going to be looked at forever. You know? And some guy's going to do a podcast where he's going to pull it out 20 years later. And in my head in 2001, I'm thinking I have nothing profound. What did you say? say? Oh, uh, mine was, um, well, I finally made it and it couldn't feel better. I want to thank everyone that helped me along the way. Special thanks to mom. I guess that's all there is to say. Oh, well, at least it's, you know, it's, it's, it's classic. Yeah. Well, yours, I felt like you kind of had a similar, um, after you, you talk about Winky, uh, you say Bariqua forever. Praise God. I've made it through. Thanks to everyone. Dare I mention any names? It's kind of like that. <laughs> it's kind of that similar dot, dot, dot. I'm not saying anything too cool, but what I will say is there's probably nothing left to talk about. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> oh, cool. Man. I gotta see now. Crap! Now I'm gonna have to go find my yearbooks and look through them. You gotta pull it out. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to. Oh man! You're you're here in Quakertown now, right? Yeah, I live in Quakertown now. Yeah, I love Quakertown. Yeah, it's it's awesome. <laughs> you got some of the weirdest people living around here, uh, but at the same time, it's just it feels so much slower pace. You know, the closer you get to Philly, it's just more city, 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 city. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I grew up in, you know, Ambler, Montgomeryville. But um, 
I wanted to get away from kind of move north of Lansdale, you know, and I love Quakertown. Like I, I sport a cowboy hat every day. Like that's oh. that's my hat. That's, Careful, that's my I thought hat. you meant I thought you meant like how about them cowboys cowboy hat. I was gonna like no, 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 no. I was gonna say disconnect. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, this was fun, John, but I'm yeah, gonna delete this one. No, no, I I I don't really follow no. Um Yeehaw cowboy. No, like I, I no, I, I wear a physical cowboy hat. Like it's a leather leather, it's more like an Aussie hat, yeah. like Australian style hat, but that has been my my signature for the last five years is wearing that hat okay. and um i don't know it, this is this feels like country over here yeah yeah we still got farms and every you know everywhere you look everybody has a truck and well yeah that's know. what we always used to say about that area was like you know especially as we got older and um people were looking for places where they could buy houses and have land because montgomery county was so filled up uh, you got to go a little bit north on 309, Quaker Town, Percocy, yeah. all up that area to start finding, you know, space. Yep. How far are you from the two-story Dairy Queen? <laughs> oh, down in, in, up 309? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a bike ride away. Uh, every you time know? I go to Quaker Town, I'll be like, man, you know it's popping off when the two-story Dairy <laughs> Queen is packed out. No, I just can't wait till, uh, you know... <laughs> there's a couple little stores that have been closed down for a year and I can't wait till they, yeah. till they get back up and running. You know, it's like, I love the area, this area, you know, anything I need is it's close by. I got my, all my stores around and I'm still, you know, 45 minutes away from my parents. And Yeah. Well, thanks dude. This is so much fun. And, and one of those nice surprises were like, Oh man, things click just like they used to be. You know what, man? When you have a kindred spirit with somebody, and you know, you, you know, personalities just just blend. You can just pick up where you left off. Yeah, and I I really enjoyed this time. Me too. Me too. Cool, man. Well, thanks, dude. Well, thank you very much. And again, uh, I was really surprised that you that you thought of me, and then I, it was a. a real treat that you uh that you called me and invited me to do this and, and oh man anytime, absolutely. anytime i'll uh i'll get right back on again especially oh. now that i know how to use the zoom <laughs> <laughs> now you're now you're a pro yeah man like i said now, like everyone's everyone's got a perspective and everyone and i think everyone's point of view is worth hearing and i think everyone's part of memories right everyone someone's going to remember you out there it's gonna go oh right john and whether they've got a memory of of something specific of like oh he was cool or this was weird or whatever they're gonna have more context now to who you are as a person rather than john was just this or john was just that it adds more context to not just you but their memory yeah like you know growing up in school i just see myself as john i'm i'm a nobody i just kind of i'm a uh, whatever i'm just me it's it's interesting to see that people actually remembered me you know that i actually got it into somebody's memories and and i made a difference in some way all right that was john diaz another guy that's been in the area and i haven't heard from him in 20 years but you know it's just because he doesn't really use facebook or anything like that there were a couple things i think that um I disagreed with John with, and, and I very lightly pushed back, namely the way that he felt about the dating scenario. And while it's something that, you know, definitely consumed me 
in portions. And while it's something that was definitely in my head while we were in high school, I didn't think of it as, I think in the podcast I used the word harsh. Um, I didn't think of it so harshly as maybe John described it. Um, I, again, probably looked at it with slight jealousy. Um, but obviously he looked at it as much more of a negative, which I thought was an interesting contrast in our perception, even though you know we got along so well in, say, chorus class. I'm reminded that while, yes, in high school, we might have looked at it as girls dating other guys, but, you know, guys were actually dating other girls. And I think for me, I don't look at it as a negative that is concentrated to one sex or the other. If you want to see the video of John and myself, you can do that at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. Follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. And I am at Red Shirt Playa Everywhere. In two weeks, I will have another guest. I've recorded a few conversations. I'm not 100% positive which one will be airing first, but I am 98% sure it will be a woman. I will see everyone in two weeks on a Monday morning with my next guest. Later.